1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history. Designed by John Browning, the 1911 was the standard-issue sidearm of the U.S. military from 1911 to 1985. While Colt produced the original, almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability, crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911 and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This segment is brought to you by Jigmaster Jigs. When in doubt, get the jig out. Go to jigmasters.com and use promo code PNF20 and save 20% off your next jig order today. You're listening to Bass Fishing for News on the Paddle and Fin Podcast with your hosts Ryan Milford and Sean Lambert. Welcome back to Bass Fishing for Noobs on the Paddle and Fin Podcast. I'm Ryan. We got Sean in here. Hey guys, what's happening? And once again, we have Mr. Kurt Smith back on Bass Fishing for Noobs. Welcome back, sir. And thanks for having me back on. Awesome to have you again. Yeah, um, you know, Kurt just wrapped up uh, the TOC from Hobie. Uh, is your tournament season done? I might have one more. I'm thinking about going down to Dale Hollow. Uh, oh, yeah. December 5th or something like that. I can't, I mean, that may not be the right day. It's, it's like the first week of December. I, I believe it is because my birthday is the 6th, and I believe it's that. No, 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 no. Actually, I think it's the 12th now that I think about it. It's I one of those weekends, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'd, I'd love to make it out to that one, but it's not going to happen. I, Hopefully I it treats you better things. than it did us. That's <laughs> what Adam Riser was saying. He said once the temperatures drop, like they're saying that that's about the ideal time of year to hit Del Hollow. So it's pretty yeah, fired up. Yeah, so. always really start coming up. That be a good one to watch. Deep water, you know, they get where you can target them a little bit easier. So, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward. To, I, I hope I can swing it. I'm looking forward to it if I can. I love Dale Hollow, man. It's such a beautiful lake. It, well, you need to come down for the the Paddle and Finn Trail Series uh, in the spring. I saw that. I, just, I saw that. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to work out my schedule now for next year. There are so many good tournaments coming out i cannot wait for next year i mean it is everybody is going balls to the walls on making their tournaments killer you know the paddle yeah, and hopefully in, stuff will be yeah i hope it chills out a little bit right like COVID yeah, stuff. Well, hopefully oh yeah God. yeah that's i can't what take say. another hopefully year like <laughs> yeah <laughs> 
Well, we can hope, man. We can hope. I mean, isn't the vaccine supposed to come out in December or something? You know, I mean, I, I just hope it just chills out. What, whatever it is, I just hope it just mellows out a little bit and we can get back to a little bit more like life like normal. You know, we're, we're very fortunate that we can still run kayak fishing tournaments even with it. You know what I mean? Right. They just don't have in-person meetups and stuff. Um, you know, so. Yeah, it's a, it's a great uh, time and technology for this virus to hit because <laughs> you know you know 20 years ago we wouldn't have smartphones where we could do this so oh no <laughs> no hell 20 years ago we weren't kayak fishing <laughs> <laughs> no um all right on here before you know pretty much everybody in the kayak tournament scene knows who you are beginners that people that don't know who you are you want to go over a quick you know introduction over who you are and everything sure uh, um you know i'm kurt smiths i'm a 2017 national champion um I'm, you know i've got a couple good wins under my belt for a couple different uh, tournament series hobie being in there kbf being in there um i'm one of the guys that Travels around, I don't want to say the whole country, but, you know, to the Mississippi and back and down to Texas and back, um, hitting the, you know, the national tournament scene, you know, so it's, uh, that's who I am. <laughs> right on. So, you know, we figured we'd start this off, talk about the fall transition a little bit. I know this time of year seems to be weird for a lot of people, like, if people either love it or hate it and i don't i like it um i don't have a whole lot of experience with it you know last year i did decent in the fall um this year i've done okay so far in the fall so, like i don't mind it too much but a lot of people seem to not be able to find fish in the fall so uh, do, do you have a idea of what they are they looking for the wrong things or how, how do you approach it? Well, you know, for, so for me, for the fall, and when we get into this fall transition, you know, I feel like the fish are just on the move, you know, and they're more scattered. They're not so much schooling up um, unless you're lucky enough to find some smallmouth, right? If you're fishing a river system, the smallmouth will be schooling this time of year. They'll start schooling. But I feel like the largemouth, they're just, you know, they're – they're trying to figure out what they want to do for the winter, and they're just moving all over the place. The water temps are still warming up, but they're active. The bait fish is, are moving up too, so I feel like that also makes it hard on people because they're, uh, they're able to eat so much live bait. It's like right in front of them. You know what I'm saying? So I feel like getting that, you're relying more on a reaction bite. I also, you know, I think that's one of the reasons uh, you see the moving baits do better, like, uh, you know, bladed jig baits, like crank baits, like lipless baits, uh, you know, um, I, I feel because you're eliciting a strike out of them. You're not so much imitating what they're eating because I feel like they get so much to eat that you really got to run something right past their face to get them to come out and grab it. Um so they're not hungry. You're just trying to piss them off to where they'll just bite it. Yeah. Yeah. I find that that tends to be the best techniques. 
and covering water because the fish are moving. Um, I feel like you can go one of two ways. You can sit in one place that you know the bass will eventually come past, or you can move constantly and try to find the bass. Um, you know, and, and it's not like you can just go to any point and you just start fishing off at any point this time of year. You know what I mean? Because not every point's going to hold the bait fish. And you, you're really trying to, I, I feel like if you don't see bait fish around, you're probably not in the right area. Um, it's a tricky time of year. It really is. And I, and I think it's trickier than the springtime because I feel like these bass, even though they're still up shallow, they're starting to transition out deep. So some of them have already moved out to deeper water. So you're not, you know, like in the springtime, you can almost always go shallow and find them, right? This time of year, I feel like, you know, depending on how warm those nights are and what's happening with the moon and, and the bait fish, you might not find them shallow quite so easily. You know, there's always some shallow, but I, I think it can be a lot harder this time of year to find them shallow. Um, and it's trying to find those, like, you know, everyone talks about the highways that fish take, right? You know, when they're, when they're transitioning, they talk about these highways. I don't think it's always necessarily the highway you want to find as so much as the pit stop. Some place that they're going to slow down and hang out, whether that's because there's bait there, whether that's because there's some type of current happening in the lake, whether it's from, the, from them doing a drawdown or from wind that might be setting up a point or a cove. A little deeper cove um, you know you want to find those spots that they congregate for a little bit so you get a chance to, to fish you know because if you're just constantly moving I don't feel like you're always getting the opportunity to fish really good and thoroughly um, so finding those key spots where they do hang out for a little bit for whatever reason I think is key this time of year and I think it's harder to find those spots in the fall than it is the spring because I, th I feel like the fall spots change and the spring spots seem to kind of stay the same, you know. But, and this and this fall's been a little weird, man. When was the last time it's been like I live? I'm in Cincinnati, Ohio, and it was 65 degrees here today. Yeah, man. When was the last time it was 65 degrees in this late November? You know, and the other day it was like almost 80 degrees here. Wow. I mean. That's really unusual for this time of year. Usually it's, it, it's, it's cold, it's wet, you know, we're getting a lot of rain. We haven't been getting much rain. I think all these things are making it extra hard on people because they're like, well, I know where I found them in, in years past in the fall, but since this fall is different, these fish aren't positioned in those same places. Right. Yeah, now that you say that, you know, last year – late october early november i was going out with you know a hoodie and like some type of like ski mask type thing <laughs> um I, I remember going out with my buddy because it was like really cold that morning and like i was bundled up and i haven't done that yet this year and it it's not looking like i'm going to you know, anytime soon so yeah, this is. I mean, that's just changing the what the fish are doing this year versus like last year or the year before. I mean, 
I fish on the rivers for hybrids and uh, white bass and stripers. And I've kept the log for, I don't know, almost 10 years, about nine years. I was looking back through it. I only found two other years that it was this warm this late in the year with the water temps. Because, I'm, you know, I'm still getting water temps like 65 on the river. You know, yeah. and this should be low 50s. I was going like to say, at, at uh, PA, it's getting a little colder than that, I think, the last couple times I've been out. But, yeah. Yeah. It's I don't still warm think... water, though. I mean, I'm used to much cooler water. I mean, and I looked back through some of my pictures, and I got snow in them this time of year. Yep. You know, and, and it's just not, you know, this is, it's just different. And it's a matter of adapting to it. And sometimes that's a little bit easier said than done, right? I mean, <laughs> just to say, oh, you just need to adapt. That's easy to say that. But when you're out in the water trying to figure out where the fish are under different conditions than what you're normally expecting, Makes it tough. Makes it tough. I think the fish are confused a little bit too, right? Because the water yeah. temp's still warm, yeah. but they're like, "Man, it's getting dark." But it's still warm. Yeah, right. they kind of want to be shallow-ish, but it's getting dark, so they kind of, you know, I just think that they're just in this weird stage right now. Knives, machetes, saws, and shears, multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, Midway USA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Yeah, I think down here, when I went out like two weeks ago, we were in the mid-60s water temp. And, uh, you know, I'm going off Adam Riser, you know, he's local to me. And uh, we fished some of the same bodies of water. And he's he was like, yeah, when it gets down to the, like low 60s, that's when it's really going to turn up. So I'm thinking we should be in that range this weekend. It's what I'm hoping for, but but yeah, it's 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 been you know warm. Like I'm still wearing shorts to work. You know, it's a little chilly, a little bit in the morning, but you know during the day, warm. I'm kind yeah. of jealous of that. It was 25 when I got my truck this morning here in PA. So. Oh, wow. oh so, <laughs> so you're cold now. I mean, you're, yeah. you're officially cold at 25 degrees. Yeah, but it, this weekend it's supposed to be 61. So we'll see. So, I mean, you know, that's got to affect those fish, right? I mean, you're having that super cold drop, and then it's going to warm up to 61. I mean, I, I know in years past on the river, it was like, God, what was it, man? I think it was January. It was a little bit later, but, man, we had our serious warm-up where we had, like, 60-degree weather, and it just, it, it just changed everything that was happening on the river, you know? where the fish were positioned, where I was finding them all winter long and just nailing them, they just moved, you know. And the bite got better, you know, because they were more active, but uh, they had moved a lot. You had to, you had, you had to totally transition, and they were in a place, and they, and they moved you know, almost like in a spring-like pattern, you know. They, so it was interesting that they were moving, like, kind of upriver, where normally they'd be hanging out in the lower end of the mouths of the tributaries next to the Ohio River. They had moved up way up river. Um, 
Which was kind of surprising, but I just think that the, some of that's going on right now, too. You know, I think that these fish are just confused. They're, they're like we are. They're confused. <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel like the grass is lasting way longer this year, too. Like, I remember last year when I was fishing this time of year, the grass had all started to seem like it was dying off. And this year, it seems like it's still just as thick as it was a couple months ago, so... Yeah, and that's helping hold fish. I mean, you know, if, if, if you find green grass, I don't care what time of year it is, there's, some, you know, especially if there's some depth around it, there's going to be fish around that. I mean, and that's going to hold some of them there. You know, where it, obviously if that grass got kind of killed off in October, right, and it's kind of been decomposing for a month, you're not going to find much around decomposing grass. But if it's still green, I mean... And I think that's dividing the fish, right? So let, let's say you have a little bit of green grass. Well, there's a couple of fish that are hanging out there. You know, some fish are starting to make that transition to deeper water. Some fish are in that in-between space. So they're just all spread out all over the place doing different things. Um, and, and I think sometimes too, I hear this time of year in the or in the fall transition that you'll, you'll hear people talk how they caught them off of like five different lures or six different lures. I think that's why, because there's they're positioning. There's one fish here. There's one fish there. There's one deep. There's one shallow. There's one in between. There's one on a rock pile. There's one by some grass. And I think that's sometimes that's why you hear that that these guys are catching them on all, all these different lures. Um, yeah, I'm, I'll be honest, man. I'm, I'm ready for a little bit of rain. I'm ready for a little bit of cold weather. I mean, I kind of want stuff to. You know, 2020 has been weird enough as it is. Let's just get something <laughs> kind of normal going on for a minute. You know, yeah. I, I, I wouldn't I, be surprised if we got a second summer in December. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, in some respects, I love it, but then I'm like, gosh, man, I think, you know, because, you know, who doesn't like a bladed uh, jig bite? Who doesn't like to throw. All that, just the deep water stuff when the fish starts schooling up and you can sit you can sit in one area and hammer on them. Man, who doesn't like that? I don't because I can't find them. I was going <laughs> to say, I haven't had a ton of times like that either, but yeah, I'll take your word for it. <laughs> I know I'm, I'm uh, hopefully it helps out when we're having normal, normal rains, you know, and it gets a little bit cooler. It gets very easy to predict where the fish are. Where right now, I'm having a hard time finding a good, consistent river bite. I'm running into it, but the, all the fish are still on the main Ohio River, you know, and, and they're up in and they're up in these tributaries, up in riffles still. You can literally, I can literally walk out the back of my house and go to a riffle, and I can catch fish that I can catch fish there. I mean, it's November. These fish should all have, I mean, this riffle, we're only talking like it's like three feet deep behind it, and that's it. You know, there's, there might be, a, there's like a six or seven foot hole there, but there's not a lot of deep water around it. I mean, most of those fish usually migrate two miles, three miles downriver, and they get to these deeper sections down towards the mouth. And, you know, and that's how I fish for them this time of year. I usually go down by towards the mouth and the deeper sections, and you find them coming out of the Ohio, getting out of the current, because the water is usually up, and the current's ripping in the Ohio. And then you got the ones coming out of the tributaries heading towards the Ohio into the deeper water, and they all kind of meet together in these big schools. I mean, that's just not happening yet. 
I'm not sure if it's going to happen, actually. With how late this is running, if we don't get rain, I mean, if, if you know, for my patterns, if the Ohio stays low, that's going to change how I've been fishing for these guys for like nine years, you know. I mean, I'm going to have to figure something totally new out, which is, in some ways, it's kind of intriguing, but in other ways, I'm like, gosh, man, it's, it sure was fun just hammering on them. Like a- <laughs> uh, you, you know, you're kind of killing my confidence for my tournament this weekend. <laughs> just, just so you know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, but yeah, I think you have kind of influenced me because I had an idea in my head. You know, I was going to pre-fish. For anybody wondering, this comes out Monday. We're recording on Thursday, so by the time this airs, you know, tournament's over, so I can go ahead and share my what secrets I might have. They're not really secrets, but um, my idea was, you know, cover water, you know, cranking around a bunch of rock. You know, whenever I find a fish, I was going to stop there for a little bit and just kind of slow down, throw a wacky rig or something, and, you know, see if I can trigger a few more bites out of certain areas. Um, but... With you talking about fish moving so much, I don't know if I really want to do that now. Now I'm like, maybe I should just keep moving, keep cranking. No, I think you're on a solid plan, man. I just wouldn't burn up a ton of time if you don't get bites on the wacky rig in the the area you caught a fish. I just wouldn't burn a ton of time up, like, thinking they've got to be there. You know, if you catch one or two... I would, you know, I'd probably be happy with that if I, and if I had three or four more casts that didn't have anything on it, I would just move on down, you know. And the, and the key will be is if you can figure out where they're feeding and, and, and like what depth they're feeding in, um, that will be key. Because once you see what depth they're feeding in, then you can kind of repeat that as you go down. You can just keep fishing that depth, whether mm-hmm. it's six to 10 or, you know, 10 to 15, there always seems to be like a certain depth that they'll be feeding at. Well, see, my thing with that is I always question myself. Like whenever I do find a fish, wherever I find it, I'm like, okay, was, you know, I'll, I'll kind of throw in the same areas, like, like that same depth areas for a while. But then it's like, was that a fluke or is that actually where they are? And I'm just not getting them to bite right now therein lies the magic of fishing right there (laughs) that's what keeps us all coming back or questions like that you know was it a fluke you know is this one fish going to be the pattern right because you get that first bite and that and and you want to learn something from it right you want to glean something from it for the next bite it's just like man those those are questions that always run through the back of your head Especially if you don't get another bite right away, right? You know what I mean. I was just gonna say so it's always best to catch a couple fish, yeah, and then right. try to figure something out. Like I almost hate it when I catch one right off the bat, like you know, and then I, if I go any length of time, I, you know, it makes me confident in what I was doing. But then, I, you know, the longer it drags on, I'm like, oh well, maybe I just wasted a ton of time trying yeah. to repeat that one fish, even though that wasn't the bite today. Yep, yep. I mean, I, I've i definitely fallen for that too, man, where I've had a bite, like, second or third cast, and I thought that was going to be the deal, because I already had it in my head that was going to be the deal, and it just wasn't, 
you know, wasted a bunch of time fishing shallow or whatever it was, you know, um, pitching and flipping or whatever I thought the bite was going to be just to find that I got one fish on that. I really needed to be deep cranking or just something different. And I'm terrible about second guessing myself. So like this, uh, this would be interesting this weekend. And unless I find like a true pattern, you know, it's going to be interesting. Hopefully it's not like a big tournament. It's, uh, Three fish limit, so not too bad. Uh, so uh, makes it a little easier this time of year, right? I mean, three yeah. Fish. No, if you can get those three right bites, <laughs> that's what you're gonna know. It'd be nice to be like a Ryan Lambert and you know catch them all in 45 minutes, and then just I can just leave. Yeah. Yeah, be done. <laughs> right, right, and do that at the at the at the biggest tournament of the year too. Right, I mean, and be yeah. done in forty five minutes, man. That would be great, man. That'd be great. You know, I'm just happy to get a limit in the first couple hours, not uh, you know, nine. What was ninety four, ninety five inch bag? <laughs> it's insane, dude. He... I think if that happened to me, I'd be so worried that. I'm like, if I'm cr- crushing them like this, everybody's got to be. So I'd be totally worried about my total. I wouldn't be able to hang it up and be no, like, yeah, I'm good. <laughs> no, if I got 95, 96 inches out of five fish, like I'm like, all right. Especially if, if it's a two-day tournament, I'd probably do the same thing. Like I'm not casting another yeah. line. You know, I'm if there are more, I'm saving them. Just, just like he did because. Uh, two days is tough, man. Two days is tough. I mean, you know, going out there and being able to do it again the next day, yeah, yeah. you don't want to beat them up too much, you know. Um, and that's what's hard in a two-day tournament is is trying to figure out when you should lay off of them, right? Mm. Should you go for the 100 inches, you know, and hope you can get another an upgrade again, or you want to hold off and hopefully hold some for tomorrow, especially on smallmouth because they just might leave. You might lay off of them, and they might leave anyway. They might just say, eh, we're out of here, man. The whole school goes down river on you. <laughs> okay. I mean, so, they, they break your heart. So this damn smallmouth will break your freaking heart. Some old <laughs> birds, man. You'll find them one day, and the next day they'll just leave you high and dry. All right. So tell me this. We'll put you in this scenario here. You know, two-day tournament, three fish limit per day. So – what would you have to have for you? To, uh, okay, I'm like for on the first day. What would you have to have for you to say, okay, I'm done. I'm not beating them up no more. A three fish limit. Yeah. If I had like, or it, it don't necessarily have to be a three fish limit. What would your average size fish have to be? You know, three or five fish. Like, like if you had a fifteen fish or fifteen inch average, would I be a local? You keep going, unless it's a lake where you you know you're not going to catch big fish on it, right? I mean, because there's some lakes where if you have you know five seventy five inches, that's you know fifteen inch average is seventy five. That's a pretty damn good bag, right? Some lakes are like that, right? I mean, just depending where you're fishing. Um, but honestly, you know, if you're going to a, a lake where I feel like it has some quality fish in it, eighty five to ninety inches. You know, um, 
I feel like if you can do 82 days in a row, you're going to be cashing a check just about in any tournament that's two days. See, the local group that I'm in, you know, uh, Adam Riser has been fishing the same trail. And, well, he, he's fished the last three events of it, and he's won all three. And I think his, <laughs> I think his biggest uh, three-fish limit that he's put up in these tournaments is like, 52 inches something like that so not overly crazy you know but i mean what's 52 inches three fish what is that like a 17 inch average roughly something like that yeah yeah just um i guess it is bigger than i mean depending on what bodies of water you're on right i mean if you're on something where someone's pulling in 60 inches that's not that's going to hurt you, right? You know? Yeah. And Adam Riser's a stick, man. I mean, he's he's one of those guys when, you know, you got to watch out for him when you see his name because he's he's just a really good angler. Yeah, I was, I was trying to get him to pre-fish with me, but... <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah... Yeah, I'm going to try to stay smart about my decisions out there, and hopefully I can place pretty well. I'm glad you're finally coming around to the wacky rig side, man. It's about time. I I, I still haven't caught a fish on one. I just just felt like, you know, pre-fishing would be a good thing to try, and if I end up having luck on it and use it in the tournament. But I don't know. There's something about it. It seems like it would be good in that scenario that i was talking about like to kind of slow down and it's a slow way to fish man for sure the wacky rig but that can be i mean under pressure bites too man if you're in a lake with a lot of pressure i feel like the wacky rig is i mean can be really dominant because it's just such a i mean it doesn't you know it's like the opposite of a reaction bite it's just so natural looking. It falls so slow and kind of, you know, flopping down just a little bit. It's such a subtle bait, you know. Do you throw a wacky rig quite a bit? Uh, I don't want to say quite a bit, but I definitely throw it, man. There's times when I throw it. A lot of times I'm fishing docks. I threw, I'll throw it. Uh, Seminole, I threw it a lot. I caught a lot of fish on it on Seminole. Um, Do... Uh... Do you use uh, like a specific thing, like the Gary um, Moto uh, Cinco, or do you have a, another brand that you like? Or well, no, I like Gary Yamamoto's stuff a lot. I mean, it's hard to beat his stuff for Senkos. I mean, gosh, the guy bought and vended them, man. So he's he's really dialed them in over the years. But uh, and I got some, you know, I got some other stuff by Zoom that I like that are in some specific colors that are a little bit thinner than uh, than uh, than Gary Yamamoto stuff. Um, I, I got a buddy, uh, Jason Gardner, who's pulled, who's poured me some worms um, that I still have. He, I mean, I don't know how many poured me, but uh, I really like his stuff too. It's, it's, it's I think it has a little bit more salt in it, so it sinks a little bit faster. Um, you know, I mean. I kind of try, I, I just kind of experiment to see what the fish want, you know what I mean? Because yeah. it's either a color or it's a fall rate. You know, there's, there's always some little trick to get them to bite. 
you know, you're saying something about the salt, so it falls faster. I, a lot of people have said that those um, Bass Pro Shop stickos are really good. I pick some up, but I think most all their stuff is heavy salted. I think those might be too, so they might fall pretty well. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's funny you say that. That's I have some of theirs, and they have a this. Uh, it's like a a real light green color that has these red specks in it. Now it's a really good bait, um, and, and it, it does seem to fall a little bit faster too. So I think it's got a lot of salt in it, or it's a dense plastic. Or you know, I'm not a pla- I'm not a bait maker. I'm not sure what all goes into. At Midway USA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com. Making them fall necessarily faster, but... But that would probably help me, though, because I'm I'm really, I feel like I'm going to struggle having to sit there and just wait. (laughs) I I don't really have that patience. You know, the, uh, you know, let's say with the Ned rig, you know, working really slow and the time, like most of the time when I'm working it, you know, I'm working it a little bit faster just because I don't have the patience. But the times that I've had like decent success on it is when I cast out and then I'm letting it just sit while I like adjust my positioning or pull out my phone because it buzzed at me. And so I'm looking and seeing who sent me a message or whatever. And then all of a sudden I see it running. So the times when it's just sitting and I'm preoccupied with something else is when I've had most of my success with uh, with that there. So I don't know. I'm there's a lot to, to be said. With, with, there's a lot of weight to what you just said, man. Letting them sit, not working them really fast. I mean, baits like that, I feel like, man, the more patience you have, the more successful you'll be with them. I mean, I've let baits sit over a minute before. You know? As a matter of fact, it's, the longest I've let them like sit, <laughs> I knew a bass was in this one tree. I just knew he was in this one tree, so I let a bait sit there for 15 minutes. Wow. It took everything I had. Twitching it, nothing. Nothing. I just let it sit there. Now it was a it's it's a big elastic worm, so it was floating up like a shaky head. It was Texas rig, but it was floating up like a shaky head. And that elastic, when it's in the water, it like it's like it vibrates almost. It's almost doing its own thing, whether there's current or not. And man, that fish came out after 15 minutes and bit, and it was a good fish too. It was a 20 something inch fish, but. You know, that just shows you right there. I mean, 15 minutes. How ridiculous is that, man? How ridiculous did you is catch that? The fish? fish bit it after 15 minutes. And I wasn't moving it at all. <laughs> like you said, I just sat there and I just saw my line tick and then it just barely saw it move and I set the hook and the fish was on it. So if he wouldn't have bit it 15 minutes, how long were you willing to like let it just Man, I was pretty adamant that there was a fish there that day. I I know we haven't fished together, but man, I can get really stubborn sometimes. And I just knew he was there. And it wasn't during a tournament. 
so I didn't have to worry about my time frame or anything like mm-hmm. that. And so I just, I just knew he was down there. It just everything laid up too good. There was like a rock pile that was making a little current break with this tree behind it laying in the water. I mean, he just had to be there, and he was. He was there. I don't really know. I don't really know how long I would have sat there that day. I, I, I was pretty adamant about the catching that fish because I knew he was down there. Well, I'm just going to have to work on my patience, I guess. You know, maybe I need to be like Josh Smith and get into mixed martial arts or something. You know, <laughs> you know, it, it teaches dip, uh, discipline, right? <laughs> or meditation <laughs> or something. Yeah. <laughs> uh Get your zen on, man. <laughs> I don't know. I, I have a hard time like just sitting still like that too. Like just... <laughs> oh, it's brutal, man. When you're when you have a fishing pole rod in your hand, it's brutal just to sit there and wait and stare at the line, just holding it, like getting ready. It, it's just because you just want to, you know. Well, especially if you like fishing moving baits, you just want to keep, you just want to reel that in and chuck it back out, reel it back in, chuck it back out. Well, to make matters worse with that for me is, you know, something like that, Ned Ridge or something like that, I'm throwing it on a spinning rod. And I can't stand, that's, that's one of the reasons, you know, we've talked several times about how I'm more of a bait caster guy, Sean's more of a spinning guy. It's one of the reasons I can't stand using a spinning combo is because when I cast it, it's so uncomfortable. I feel like I'm having to hold it up here or else the spool or, yeah, I guess, yeah, the spool or the bell, I guess, more than likely, is uh, going to hit my leg. So uh, I got to kind of hold it up and the you know, kind of wears at me a little bit. So I, I'm not even sure how y'all hold a spinning. It probably wouldn't be so bad if I was standing on a boat. Right. But sitting down in my kayak, I don't understand how y'all are holding it to where it's not hitting your, hitting your leg or anything. I've never really thought about it, honestly, man. And you, but you're right, though. With that bail being on the bottom part, it's not like you can bring it down and kind of rest your hand on, on your leg. Yeah. For a little bit, you know, because that that bail would be, you know, the reel would be right on your. Yeah, man, I'm gonna have to pay attention to how what I'm doing. That's uh, that's interesting, man. That's a good question. That's yeah, y'all pay attention to that and get back to me. Let me know what y'all are doing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and to be honest, you know, I probably should have been paying attention to like people on YouTube or whatever when I'm watching the videos uh, to see what they're doing. But I've I've never really paid attention to how they're holding it. But that's that's one of the biggest reasons why I hate it. And then I can't seem to cast it over like twenty five feet. You know, everybody's like, "Oh, that's how you get your max distance with a spinning rod." Not me. You know, I can cast it about twenty five feet and hit in like a ten foot <laughs> radius of my target. And that's. You but I could live with that. Twenty five feet out of it. <laughs> Yeah, but I could I could live with that and make that work if I could just get a comfortable position to hold it. Yeah, I'm gonna have to think about that one, man. I'm gonna have to think about that one. It, you know, it does wear on me a little bit because when I hold my spinning reel, it's right between my fingers, and mm-hmm. I, if, if I'm really using it a lot all day long, especially if I'm setting the hook on some decent sized fish, man. It just wears on my hand because it's just like it's kind of splitting your fingers open a little bit, just constantly. 
you know, it does it does wear wear my hand a little bit more than my baitcaster. My baitcaster, I seem to be able to hold that and throw that all day long, no problem. I definitely feel like I have to put it between different fingers. You know, I I, I vary between you know a couple different fingers while I'm holding it, especially if I'm doing something where I'm casting or retrieving a ton. Yeah, I mean. It, it's funny, just finding those little things like, like you just said, man, that can really make the difference whether you can fish it all day or whether you're going to fish it for two hours and be like, man, my hand, and then set it down and pick up something else. Especially or, if you're catching fish on it, man, you don't really want to switch to something else, right? <laughs> Do you throw A-rig much? A little bit. I am not the biggest A-rig guy, but I do throw it. Especially when the water gets cold here, you know, I mean, that's like a cold water bait. Yeah. Well, you know, I've heard people using them in the fall and stuff, so I picked one up, but like, I have no idea what I'm doing with it. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, like with the A-Rig, I, you know, I like it more as the temperature drops and you really start being able to see the fish school up. They may not be nearly as aggressive when the water's that cold, right? But you can see them on your fish finder. That's when I feel like the A-rig bite is, is better because you can drag, you can target the fish easier with the A-rig and you're only, you're really going after there's, there's less biters. So you're going after a, a smaller percentage of fish. And I feel like they, the fish will want to chase a school of bait then because that's what everything else is doing too. It's not just the large mouth that are schooling up, the bait's still schooled up. So when they see a small school run past, they're just going after one of those fish in that school. It's kind so, of a nice meal for them. So probably not something I should try this weekend. Yeah, I mean, if it was me, I probably wouldn't tie one on this weekend now. <laughs> Talk about a, wait, a bait that wears me out. That's definitely one that'll wear me out quick. That's what I keep hearing. Yeah, I mean, honestly, how I like to fish it is I like to troll it more than I do casting it because it's just such a behemoth casting that thing right i mean usually using a bigger rod and i mean there's usually freaking two or three ounces of baits and lure i mean just the whole thing is a big giant mess and you're just launching it out and just just slow reeling that thing back you know i kind of like to get it out and then i'll i'll troll it and try to troll it like right through schools of fish or right above them yeah, that's that's my that's how I usually use it. Well, see, I had an idea, kind of go when we had Adam on here. You know, he was talking about long line and a, a crankbait, and so I kind of had an idea, kind of doing something similar to that. But I'm not sure how it works. You know, that crankbait's going to sit there and float till you get where you want to go, and then start cranking. Where that's going to start falling immediately. So, if you're in depending on how far you want to go, you know, it'd be on the bottom tangled up in something by the time you start cranking on it. Yeah. Yeah, man. And dude, when you lose an A-rig, it's like losing a $50 bill. <laughs> yeah. You know, <laughs> I mean, just every time you hang one up, it's like, Oh God, man. I mean, it's, it's five to six lures. It's the, it's the damn A-rig itself. It's all those darn hooks, you know, and it, and I learned a little while ago from AJ McCorth and uh, Jay Wallen to run them weedless will really help with that, you know, because you can you can then let it hit the bottom and you're not going to snag up every single time. 
you know. And if you use a light wire hook and you have it on a really heavy gear, you can at least have a chance to get it back by straightening out the hook and pulling it up still. Um, a chance. I mean, <laughs> you're still going to lose some. So how are you? How do you run it wingless? Like what kind of With like, like hooks are you using on hooks on it? I'll get some. I'll get some really light belly weighted light wire EWG hooks, oh. and then I'll hook that up to the bottom ones, right? And I'll do like three with the weighted, and then the top two, and then maybe the center one I'll do unweighted. And so the so those bottom then the then the the ones that are EWG weedless will run on the bottom. So if you do drag it across the bottom or you run it over a limb, there's less of a chance of them digging in. I'll run them all with EWG hooks, so it's 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 weedless like that. So you you got my brain working now, because yeah, I mean you know you know you got the you got the little blades on the on well some some of them do. It seems like most of them do, not all of them, but you know a lot of them have like the little willow blades on them yeah. already. So it's making me think, you know, the wicked willow underspin that I like to use. You know, it's basically a weighted uh, swim bait hook or, you know, weedless. And, uh, you know, it's a underspin. It's got the little willow blade coming off the bottom. So I'm adding some extra willow blades on there. If I put those on there and put my Kytex on there, I might have to try that. All on there, man. I mean. See, we, we can only have three hooks on them down here in Tennessee. Yeah. So. I think we well, can have five. Ohio. Okay. I want to say we can have five, but I could be wrong. Yeah, Kentucky, you can have as many as you want. I mean, you have 16 hooks on there if you want. <laughs> that, that's crazy. That's overkill. If you can't catch it with, you know, three or even five hooks, like, that's just... Well, you should see some of these A-rigs, man. So they'll have, like, a... So some of these bigger A-rigs will have the normal, like, four baits on it with the center fifth coming out. That center fifth will come back to another A rig, mm-hmm. right? So I, you got this chandelier thing running through the water. Where it, I mean, it's like a, I, I, I don't, I don't even know how you fish stuff like that. When I see it, man, I, it, it's very interesting. But I'm like, how do you even fish that? Because you start having so much weight that you're bringing through the water. Yeah. You need like an extra, extra, extra heavy rod. <laughs> yeah, brute stick, just a straight yeah. brute stick. Yeah. No bend to it, just goes straight out, you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, see, my buddy Brian Andrews, you know, I interviewed him about this time last year um, on on the podcast here, and, and you know, he he throws them some. Like, if you walk in his garage, it's like a Bass Pro shop in there, like wall to wall with uh, fishing so him, him and his brother you know they're both single no kids so they live together and like one side of the garage i don't i don't even gonna say a side like a little piece of the garage over here is more like hunting stuff for his brother and everything and then pretty much all the rest of the garage is his and uh it's like all fishing stuff wall to wall it's it's crazy but he he was showing me this a rig that he has and uh like it it was huge it was gigantic i'm like dude how do you use that he's like i don't i haven't figured out how to even cast it yet. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah it, 
and the, the thing about a rigs is like when you talk to like an a rig expert it's like someone who's really into them man it is going down the rabbit hole it i mean it is just there's so many different ways to rig it there's so many little nuances to to the real speed and, and what kind of rod you want to use and the line you want to use with it. There's so many little nuances to it. I mean, a lot of people just kind of put it on a stiff rod and start chucking it around a little bit. And there's way more to an A-rig than just that, you know, and there's, there's a lot of different ways to fish it. And again, I'm not the A-rig expert, yeah. you know what I mean? I, I, I do fish them, but I don't consider yeah. myself to be like, super proficient in on me I'm, you know I, I still listen to other people a lot and what they tell me to do and how they tell me to do it um and then that's one of the great things about our fishing community that a lot of guys will talk to you you know what i mean they're pretty open unless it's tournament time right then they'll be pretty close <laughs> you know if you're asking about some techniques they can give well, you some well Sorry, I froze up on me for a minute. Um. Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why MidwayUSA offers Super fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Did we lose Kurt? Did you lose me? No, we still got. I still got him. Are you, can you hear me? I can hear you. Yeah, okay. I can hear both of you. Yep, you're good. All right, yeah. Y'all froze up on me for a second, and then Sean came back and. Kurt didn't, so I wasn't sure what was going on. But yeah, uh, on that subject, what we were talking about, um, I'm looking for somebody that's an A-rig expert or, you know, whatever version of the word you want. Somebody who's really good with one to come on here and talk about it. So if anybody has any suggestions, let me know so we can uh, try to get them on here. Get Jay Wallen on here. Jay Wallen? Get Jay Wallen, man. Get a little of the juice in on here, man. He's pretty good with the damn A-Rig, man. Down on down on Cedar Creek Lake. He's pretty damn good with that thing. Well, I'm going to have to uh, send him a message this week then. Because <laughs> that, that's something that I'm interested in. Because like, I think one of the biggest things that intrigues me about it is you've seen the videos where people are pulling out like two or three fish at a time on it. Yeah. 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 That's <laughs> insane to me. <laughs> like, like, dude, I, I could get my limit in one cast. <laughs> yeah, think about that too, man. If you got like two good fish and one decent fish in one cast, man, <laughs> man. Dude, that's why I'm wondering, like, you know, I've, I've, somebody told me they use like 25 pound fluoro on uh, for casting that. I'm like, if you hang into like some good fish at the same time like that, like, dude, you'd have, it'd almost be like, like finesse fishing like where you gotta like baby it in if it seems like because you know 25 pound fluoro you know it's bigger fluoro i don't you throw that on anything that like i don't throw that big a fluoro on anything but it seems like for the amount of weight that that a rig is by itself and then you get two or three fish on it it just seems like it's gonna make it feel like 
you know, a good fish on six pound test or something oh, like yeah. that. Oh yeah. 50 pound, 50 pound braid, man. Minimum. Minimum. For something like that. I mean, it's, it's the A break. I mean, and the chances are is you're going to get caught up on something too. So you're going to have to freaking sit there and pull yeah. on that damn thing and pull it out. So, I mean. <laughs> Do you use braid even in clear water? Yeah. I mean, there's wires on it. You know, I mean, it's not a finesse base. Yeah, you know, I mean, when you see those wires going past, that 50-pound braid looks way smaller than the freaking wire coming back off of it. Or the five wires coming back off of it, right? That makes sense. Yeah. Sometimes I wonder why fish hit it, honestly. I'm like, you know, because we, we, you know, you, we have it in our heads that we got to use super light line. We got to fish finesse. We got to use six pound line because we want the fish to see the line. And then the A rig comes past them. They eat it. Like, <laughs> well, you know, I've been here. There's everywhere. There's blades everywhere on it. Uh, you know, it's just like, what's going on here? You know, I, I do wonder that sometimes. Like, why do they hit that damn thing? Well, I've been hearing a lot of people saying that we give the fish too much credit. You know, they're dumber than we think they are. I don't know. But... Yeah, sometimes but... I think they're dumb, and sometimes I think they're really smart. <laughs> they, they do pick up on lures, man. I will say that, man, especially on pressured lakes. Everybody's yeah. throwing spinner bait, man. It's probably best to throw something else because they're getting... You know, the, the dumb ones are getting caught, you know, and they're getting educated with a sore lip, right? <laughs> and, you know, it seems like down here, like, it's so heavily pressured that pretty much everything is, you know, they're used to it. Like, I mean, every, there's a ton of people out there throwing crankbaits, ton of people out there throwing chatterbaits, ton of people out there throwing Texas rigs, like Ned rigs, everything. It seems like, oh, I guess that's just the area I live in, you know, being having so many fisher fishermen here. Man, it's just. Educating them fish for you. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, you know what they say, like, you know, in a area that's like highly pressured and everything, you know, if you can learn to fish somewhere highly pressured and kill it it's true man it's true I, I feel like in areas like that and i feel like cincinnati's like that that you cut you learn how to grind better you learn how to finesse fish better you learn how to get the reaction bites better because you're dealing with that pressure all the time you know um, and then when you go to some place where the fish is not that good i feel like we also have a little bit better mental attitude about just how to how to stick with it and attack through it, you know? Yeah. Because if fishing's always good, then you go someplace where it's crappy and you're in a tournament, you know, your just confidence level's gonna go down. And, you know, I don't know about you, but when my confidence goes down, I stop fishing uh, correctly or, or fishing mm -hmm. well, you know what I mean? I'll either start, I'll start, I'll start fishing too fast. I mean, I'll start fishing finesse baits too fast, which yep. is really stupid, right? Yep. I'm not going to catch exactly. fish on moving finesse baits. You know? Yep. And that's probably one of my big 
problems with the Ned rig is because I usually don't even pull it out until like I start getting stressed or low confidence, like nothing else <laughs> is getting bit. So I'm pulling this out, and that's probably why I work it so fast. Yeah, yeah, and that's like, you know, and I tell you, that's one of those things too. Like the Ned rig is one of those things that you want to soak it. You know, you want to throw it in, you want to let it fall down, maybe kind of drag itself along a little bit with the current, sit there and do its little Ned rig tail waggle. You know, yeah, it, patience is a virtue. <laughs> Uh, you know, fishing, it's just as much, if not more, uh, like a mental game than it is as it is physical. Like, you know, you got to keep your head right because if you don't it's have your head mental. right, you may do a. It's all mental. I feel like fishing is just, man, if you have your head right, everything else follows with it, right? You know, the fish will eventually come to you. It may not be, it may not be in that particular tournament that you do well, but if you have your head right, eventually you're going to do well in the tournament. You're going to be consistent. You'll be get more and more consistent. Um, but if you if you get spun out, and we all get spun out from time to time, man, you just you know, that's that that's when you're not fishing well. If you're running around looking for the bite and casting at everything and just burning everything in at a million miles an hour, chances are you're not going to do well. You know? and, and, it's, it's so, and I think our sport is so mentally demanding because of that. You know what I mean? I mean yeah. When it has a bad tournament, so you're you're going to experience that. You know, there is no dominant you know, person. I mean, even like Rush Snyder, right? I mean, he's won like $40,000 this year, man. Right? That's crazy amount of money out of kayak fishing to win. But he still didn't catch a limit in the TOC or some other event. I mean, I, I don't know all his events, but I'm sure there's, if you look at his stuff, there will be a event where he just didn't do well in it. Yeah, I mean, I think he's placed top 10 in like every tournament he's been in this year until the TOC, you know, the biggest one he's struggled in, you know, well, I ain't going to let too much go, but we (laughs) might hear about that soon. (laughs) I hope so, man. I I love hearing him talk about fishing, man. (laughs) He's so passionate about it. Yeah, he's he's a cool dude. He he came out there to Del Hollow to the meetup that we had, and you know he he didn't get to fish it. Uh, I think he hurt his back or it was some something like that. And but he came and hung out with us, and you know it cool guy to talk to. Yeah, very cool guy, very cool guy. I tell you, me and him fished a little creek together at Kentucky Lake, and you know. Both of us were surprised that someone else was there, right? You know, I mean, we're, it was a little tiny creek and stuff. And it could have gone sideways because it was a very small creek, right? I mean, and there was two very competitive people launching at this very small ramp onto a very small creek. And, uh, you know, it, and we just worked it out. We just, he, you know, we just said, you go this way, I'm going to go that way. And, Dude, it was awesome, man. It was awesome. And it could have easily gone sideways. I mean, very easily gone sideways. Um, but, you know, that, and that's the beauty, beauty about uh, fishing around guys of Russ Snyder's 
like Russ Snyder, is that, you know, we just talked it out. It was good. We both fished it. We both did well in it. Um, you know, and not everyone is going to be that easy to talk to and work things out with. I mean, yeah. I, I see, you know, because when you get two competitive people in one small area, you know, heads can butt. But, you know, and then it's you can Russ's find your, And yeah. then you can be getting called out on the KBF page. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> man. Exactly. And I never want to be in that position. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Uh, but hey, man, we're uh, getting close to the hour mark. And, uh, you know, it was good having you back on here, getting to talk some more fishing with you. I'm sure we'll get in touch and, and get you back on here again one day. Uh, Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it, man. It's always an honor to be on. Yeah. Uh, you want to shout out like social media and sponsors and all that good stuff real quick? Yeah, man. I'd love to, man. Uh, so if anyone's interested, follow me on Facebook, Kurt Smiths. I'm on there under my own name. I'm also on there on Smitty Fisher. I got two pages on there. Uh, Instagram, Smitty Fisher. YouTube, Smitty Fisher. Uh you know, um, some of my, I'll just, I'll just go off a couple of my major sponsors. I want a huge shout out to Hobie, who are my biggest sponsor. Um, Strictly Sail, any of your kayak fishing needs, you can go right there to them and, and, and get whatever you need. Fishing online for all your online needs for terminal tackle, great people, great business, super fast shipping. Um, Torquedo has really helped me out, St. Croix. Those are just some, there's some of the guys that have really, stepped up in 2020 to really make my season be able to happen the way it has. I want to thank those guys a lot. Couldn't do it without them. Awesome. Well, appreciate you coming back on once again. You know, always good talking to you. Yeah, always fun talking fishing, guys. All right. Well, um, I guess we will wrap this thing up then. Uh, thanks again, Kurt. And um, this has been the Bass Fishing Crew Noob segment on the Paddle and Fitting Podcast. We're bringing you the techniques, the tricks, and the tips to help you rip more lips. Have a good night, guys. Later, y'all. Thanks for tuning in to another killer episode on Paddle and Fin. Don't forget to go check out our website at paddle, the letter N, and fin.com. Don't forget to check out the YouTube channel at Paddle and Fin. If you got a question, comment, want to hear from a future guest on a future episode, feel free to email us at paddle, the letter N, and fin at gmail.com. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Paddle and Fin on Facebook and Instagram. Shout out to our show supporters, Angler. The Angler button and app just makes for a better time on the water and creates a virtual logbook for every fishing outing out on the water. Shout out to Rocktown Adventures, located in northern Illinois, for all your kayaking, camping, and hiking needs. TRC Covers, protect your investment. Catch Products, shout out to Catch Products. Go to catchproducts.com and put the Paddle in Fin logo directly on your catch board. Shout out to Jigmasters Jigs. When in doubt, get the jig out. Go to jigmasters.com, use promo code PNF20, and save 20% on all your jig and tackle needs.
Brave anglers search for the one they call king, but who will take his throne? Tune in to Waypoint TV's Battle for Silver, Saturday, May 18th from 12 to 6 p.m. Eastern. Presented by Abyss Battery, Waypoint TV. On Mondays, head offshore with Captain Scott Walker and Steve Roger for breathtaking deep-sea adventures. Coming to me, coming to me, coming to me. Double. He's jumping, he's jumping, he's jumping. Oh! Oh! Look at that belly. Don't miss Mondays with Into the Blue. Brought to you by Academy Sports and Outdoors from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern. Tell a few fish stories along the way. On Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.